He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Into the Great Scott Show. As promised, joining me now, Chris Landry. Worked in NFL front offices, professional scout, former NFL scout, runs LandryFootball.com. Been a little while since we've had him on the show, but I always look forward to our conversations. A wealth of knowledge when it comes to the sport of football. Good morning, Chris. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Scott. Good to be with you again. Hope all is well. Yep, everything's good here in Lafayette. So an, an important question uh, to start off here that uh, doesn't have to do with football, and it's going to seem like it's coming out of left field, but what is uh, what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? <laughs> I'm going to let you pick because I couldn't tell you. I, I think I've heard of them. I wouldn't be able to mention any. Uh, I don't know any songs. So. There we go. I like, I like, no, it, see, you, yeah. you just, you roll with it. You just got to be honest there. Um you know, I remember. No, like, let, 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 let me tell you real quick. I don't want to take out too much of time. Just to give you an idea where I am on um, on music. So I'm, I'm um, coaching for Bill Belichick in Cleveland, and it, it, he has a friend that is comes to training camp practice. We get done with practice. Belichick comes over and says, Hey, could you, you mind? I, I got to run upstairs. He says, would you, um, you know, just kind of hang out and entertain my friend there and his, his girlfriend. I said, sure. You know, and so it's you not know, 10 minutes and I'm talking with them and, and so hey, where are you from? Yeah. You know, from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Great. Well, that's how you know, Bill, you know, giants and all that kind of stuff. And he's got a smoking hot girlfriend and I'm just, you know, I'm just talking with him. And so, so where do you play? I'm just trying to just, it was John Bon Jovi. I had no clue. <laughs> oh, so that's good. For, that's good. So for the rest of the time, you know, when they'd be some kind of reference to like, you know, anything in a meeting, you know, like uh, Elvis Presley. Yeah, he was a, uh, Chris, he was a singer in that. I know who Elvis Presley is, you know, but I mean, I didn't know your guy there. And I don't know if he was really popular at the time or like he was like really known. I know who he is now. So that's just, uh, I was, when I was coaching at LSU, um, we had the guy uh, who was the actor, um, John Goodman. John Goodman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know who the heck he was. He came by, he was visiting. He was in the movie, Everybody's All America. He was the big heavyset guy, I think. And, and, he, and he played in that movie, and I didn't know who he was. Shaking his hand, hey, John ain't good. To, you know, <laughs> he's just John. <laughs> I don't know who he was. So I spent too much time, uh, even in my younger days. Uh, You're in, just a in football guy. Coaching. You're just too much yeah, of a football guy to even uh, know who anything outside of the sport is. That's yeah, that's, that's Chris Landry. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Like, I don't know, Bon Joe. I don't know, John Goodman. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm Chris. I, I just, hey, good to meet you, man. How yeah. you doing? Are you, you from around here? <laughs> you 
mean, I just don't know. Oh, boy. That's embarrassing. Chris Landry, our guest. He has spent a lifetime in football, coach, scout, administrator at the college football level, the NFL level, started out at LSU back in the 80s, worked with Bill Belichick in Cleveland, uh, and uh, he currently operates his own coaching and scouting consulting business serving uh, NFL and college football programs. Uh, LandryFootball.com. You can get access to a lot of this stuff as well. We'll get back to that in a minute. But, Chris, I wanted to ask you um, about the teams we, we talk about quite a bit on these airwaves. And then if we have some time, maybe some other general NFL stuff. But at the college level, for uh, the, the Raging Cajuns and, and UL and what Coach Desimo is doing, Coach Napier went to Florida. We all know that. And, and you know, I don't want to say uh, he certainly didn't leave the covered bear, but – there were some players they had to, to replace, some coaches they had to replace. And uh, what are your, you know, longest win streak in the country? Open the season with a win. But from afar, I say from afar, you're not that far away. You, you work out of Baton Rouge. But what are your thoughts on on the state of the Louisiana Raging Cajun football program and, and what Coach Desimo has right now? I think it's rock solid. I mean, I think that it's the organization, the structure that, that Billy and, and everybody that was around him um, and the administration given the support to, to put a solid foundation together. They've got that. So they, they should, uh, they, they should have that foundation to build off, which, which is not something that everybody has. So it's in really good shape. Now, Billy was special. Billy was really, really good. He learned from some good people, obviously, um, Nick Saban, who I'm obviously very close with because we worked on that aforementioned staff in Cleveland and Belichick and in my work with him. So I, I know Billy from way back, from the Clemson days, from, you know, the, the time at Alabama and everywhere he's been. He was he did a great job. I think Michael's going to do a good job. Is it going to be as good? I mean, we don't know. Time will tell. Yes, there were some players, a couple of former Cajuns really had integral impacts late in that game for Florida uh, last week against Utah. So it's maybe one of the negative things, at least for fans, that when they lose players, uh, in addition to coaches in this day and age of the transfer portal, it maybe doesn't sit well with them, particularly the older guard, and I can relate to that. But I think the foundation is there. Now it's up to Michael to recruit, develop with that foundation that, quite frankly, you know, Billy had to put together. You know, one of the things that, I tell people all the time in Florida when Billy got there and he put together, you know, this enormous staff, which is very much Alabama like, you know, I try to tell them, let me tell you how creative Billy was when he was at ULL. He did that on a shoestring budget, comparatively speaking to an SEC budget. And he did that with, you know, GA type guys that, that he put the structure together in a, uh, you'd call it maybe a replica model, a small replica model of, um, I guess replica is a small model, but but of how you do that. So I think all of those things are in place, and I think it makes it, it's not cookie cutter, but now you got to go and put your own spin on it if you're Michael. And, and I'm curious to see how well he does. And look, I think good start last week. Saw a little bit of some of the, the clips. I didn't see the whole game, but they've got a chance, you know, to start off four and zero, you know, and five and zero. So before they get to the meat of their schedule, so uh, look, I'm excited about what they've done there. It's a program that 
has always had a lot of potential, I think. But, you know, certainly it's it's the model program in that league right now in terms of structure and how you do it. And that's, that's saying a whole lot. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Um, Chris, having worked at LSU when you did and living in Baton Rouge and knowing the fan base and being around it, um, the reaction – some would say over. I mean, look, overreaction to any game is is usually going to happen with football fans. But the overall reaction to game one um, and 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 Coach Brian Kelly, I know that a whole lot has unfolded over there, and I, I wouldn't, I don't even know how to like really just define this question. But I'll just keep it kind of general and let you take it from there. What what are your thoughts on on the current state of LSU football and where you think it's going? You know, over the next calendar year yeah i think the first thing that that i would explain is that people don't know that don't work in football they don't realize how fast and how far that program had regressed in terms of discipline disorganization and so people think oh it brought in brian kelly yeah it's in january well it's september glad we got all that fixed it doesn't work that way. Um, many new players completely hired over 60 people in the support staff and the staff changes. Um, really one, one or I mean, a couple of people on the training staff, but one coach that's retained Brad Davis. You, you don't fix this overnight. Now, when I look at them and watch them Sunday night, what I think is most, um, People will talk, go right, let's, so let's just go right. Special teams, it's a disaster. We're, we can't do anything. They've got a good special teams coach that has done very well in the past. That's easy to fix, Scott. I mean, it, it really is. And if they can't fix it, you got to look. You, there, there are two ways you get better. Okay, you either get better players or you get your players better. And at this stage, you got to get your players better. Um, you know, just some, a fundamental error that was missed twice that was costly. But the biggest, you know, eye opener for me was the fact that, and I, I'm not surprised by it, but it was that 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 really Florida State had their way with the offensive line of LSU. They, they've got a ways to go there, and they're going to have to piecemeal it. That's why they start Jaden Daniels. That's why I was going to be the guy all along, even though they never announced it. It's just because they're going to need to use his improvisational runs. They didn't design those runs. They said, look, uh, if if you see, you know, um, drop eight, you know, if you don't see what you like, run with it. And, pick, and that's what he did. And that's what they're going to have to do. So they're going to have to piecemeal it this year and try to do the best that they can. But the bigger issue and the reason why Brian was hired is because he's organized, because he's disciplined, because he's going to structurally change it so that going forward, it's going to be good problem is, as you kind of alluded to, there's no patience. There's a belief that, oh, well, we can get it done now. Uh, again, a lot of it, people on the outside look and see, well, two years ago, we were this. Yeah, and there's been a complete dysfunction within that whole operation for, you know, a very short period of time that made this, you know, a realistic. It's not about, um, hey, blaming everything on the previous. You know, it's just the reality of where they are. Now, it's up to them to fix it. I, I look at it this way. You come in and your your home is ransacked or whatever, 
you know, there's nothing you can do about that. But now you have to fix it. You have to clean it up, and that's what he has to do. And he has a lot of guys, you know, on the team that in that first year they got to buy in because in the past they're used to doing it another way, where they did what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it, when they wanted to do it. So they're resistant to it. It's like disciplined kids. You know, if you'd let your kids come home from school or, you know, they just do whatever they want to do and there's no structure and no curfew or anything, then you tighten up on them. It's like, well, wait a minute. This is not fair. This is not what it used to be. This is what's going on. It will take some time. Now, how well Brian will do, look, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball, but I know Brian Kelly since uh, Grand Valley State. Um, he did it there at that level. He went to Central Michigan and built up something that was very good and made that a really, really good upper-level MAC job. Then he goes to Cincinnati and he builds that into a really good program that's, you know, kind of winning on a national level. And and then he goes to Notre Dame and look, I don't think people understand Notre Dame. You're not recruiting the same players that Alabama and LSU are recruiting. You know, every one of those freshmen at Notre Dame have to take calculus. They have to live in a, in a dorm on campus, not a great residential. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. So he was taking teams to the playoffs with nowhere near the talent level. And, and I know what he's done in the past. So all I can say is that he has the pedigree. He's done it before. He's got more resources and latitude now than he's ever had. So there's no reason for him to not have success. Are people going to like him? Well, people don't like him nationally. They didn't like him because he's a little bit, can be a little snarky at times. I say that knowing him and liking him, and but, but he can be. And then at Notre Dame, they hate him because he was at Notre Dame. And then the Notre Dame people hate him because he left Notre Dame. And so now it's, it's you, don't, you know how this beautiful state that we live in, they, they just embrace certain people and they want – they don't get it. They see the result. But you've got to study the process that creates the result. And I think it's going to take some time. And uh, I don't know that people are going to be patient enough for it. But he's going to be there. He's going to be there for a long time. And I think he'll do a really good job. Patience is uh, is a virtue. And um, it just typically, you know, fan is short for fanatic. And uh, there's a lot yes, of sir. zeal there. And the two typically don't go together. But that such is such is life in the world of football, especially you know SEC football and and, and some fan bases and that of LSU. And um, last you know question kind of tied into that by fair or not, he and Billy Napier will will consistently be compared. You know, yes. many feel like LSU should have made a strong push. They feel like Scott Woodward didn't want to do it because. You know, the popular opinion is, well, he didn't want to hire a coach from another school in Louisiana. And, you know, how much of it's true or not, Chris, you might be able to speak to that. Uh, that's just that's just what, what people believe. But you know how it is in this business. Even if some stuff is based in reality and some of it is loosely based in reality, the perception in a lot of ways becomes a reality when it comes to sort of storylines. And the two will always be compared. It's one game out of yes. so many more that are going to happen. Um, but if you could speak a little bit on how that process came to be, and you mentioned the the what, what Brian Kelly took over, and you know just how far it had dropped in a short amount of time, how much wider is the gap, or or if, is it wide between you know what Coach Napier took over from Coach Mullen at Florida and what Coach Kelly took over from Coach Ogeron 
at LSU? I know that's a long-winded question, but I, I think you got what I'm saying there. Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. You know, um, known Scott, Scott Woodard, um, he, here's the thing, and, and here's his thinking on it. And this is, you know, not he's not alone in this with some ADs, but Scott is a splash guy, a splash hire guy. Now, uh, you know, maybe baseball and basketball is a little bit different, but in terms of football and LSU football, and this is where how some of these guys think. So if he guy goes out and hires a big name, which he did in Brian Kelly, uh, if it doesn't work, then you know, well, people are some people are going to criticize him. I mean, if he doesn't work, but but his is going to be like, well, I did my job. I hired the big name guy, the proven guy. You know, if he hires Billy Napier and it doesn't work. You didn't do your job. You're a big game hunter. That's what your reputation is, and you you know you didn't get it done. That's what it's really about. It's you know it's a you don't he doesn't know. I think he probably I, I in, in I, I think he knows that Billy Napier is a good coach, but there is a little bit more of a risk with a guy at ULL as opposed to the guy at Notre Dame. It doesn't mean that Billy Napier won't be better, maybe a lot better. Time will tell on that. But that's that's. That's the reason for it. It's like, like the great offensive coach that comes in, you know, and he's the key guy. He wants his offense to look good, Scott. Because if he doesn't, you know, it's like, what did the public say? A lot of these guys get into this public stuff. Well, if the defense is bad and the offense is good, well, the, he just needs to get a new defense coordinator because, you know, he's, his offense is working. No, he's the head coach. He's responsible for all of it. But they tend to want to, you know, kind of, hey, the offensive guy, make sure the offensive, defensive guy, you know, and – when you're dealing with an athletic director, if you're the quote-unquote, I'm going to make the splash hire, then Billy Napier is not the splash hire. He may have been the better hire, may not. To me, what matters is the best hire. Time will tell. And since he doesn't know, he's going to go with the splash guy. That's the way it works. In terms of what Billy's got at Florida, I think there's – look, there wasn't dysfunction at Florida in terms of discipline. There was – a recruiting issue, and I think there's talent there, but there's not the talent level that's as good. So he's not having to deal with, um, you know, getting guys to work or anything like that and, and getting attitude and culture changes. What he's trying to do is build an infrastructure of recruiting, and what he's got, the, the, to be honest with you, if you want to say what the difference is, is the quarterback. Because they don't win against Utah not for Anthony Richardson, and he's going to carry that team. And if you watch that game, the thing that I saw that was different with Florida is they were mentally and physically tougher than they have been in the past. And they won that game, basically playing Utah's game, not having as much of a passing game, but they were more focused on the run. And I thought Dan was a little bit more of, okay, we've got to do more with the pass. And I, I just think they got away from the line of scrimmage toughness. Even though they had some personnel to do it, I, I didn't think they were functionally good enough. So I think what Billy's done is just change some things schematically, and he's got a great quarterback to do it with. And that's the difference, I think, between the two. We're not going to have the answer of who's going to do the better job between the two until uh, about three or four years from now. But you're 100% correct. It is a – we're going to be charting this, you know, day by day, year by year, and here's what we know. You know, check for Florida and Billy Napier and uh, X for Brian Kelly and LSU. But th those things happen. I, I, I can tell you, I, 
and, and again, I'm not making the same prediction is going to happen, but I recommended Nick Saban for the job at LSU back when they hired Jerry DiNardo. And they weren't really in the spending money business. College football really wasn't to the level that it is now. And then the, by the time Mark Emmert got the job at LSU as the chancellor, and he took over the the basically the coaching search, and Joe Dean kind of followed along with whatever. And Joe and I were very close. And it took it, it took me some work to convince Nick Saban that this this LSU job was as good a job as I thought it was, and potentially and. Uh, and, and I and I had a hard time convincing that. In fact, the guy that I credit most for helping me and basically getting it done was Bill Orange Barker, who I coach for and and, and work for. And I said, and, and Bill Orange Barker got on the phone and told Nick, and Nick didn't know Bill Orange Barker. He only knew him by reputation. And Bill Orange Barker said the best job I ever had was at LSU. And he told him, and, and the thing that the whole working with Jimmy Sexton to explain the quality of players and the quality of coaching at the high school level in Louisiana. And it is, you know, the main school that's the only big power five school. It's not like at Florida and other places. That was a big selling point that eventually came around on. on. So the point is, I think that you've got to really have a, a, a vision. You got to have patience at that time. When Nick came in and he had to change things over, it was a problem. They lost to UAB that first year, and I heard everything. You are an idiot, Landry, which is probably somewhat true. You know about you know you recommended this guy, this guy's you know, and then of course things change. Am I saying Brian Kelly's going to be Nick Saban? I don't think there is another Nick Saban, but I think the overreaction that you refer to is so apt. But we are in a world now, and you have to deal with it every day, is, you know, it's what's today? What's the news today? Today, this person's a Hall of Famer. Tomorrow, he's a bum, whatever. That's where we are in yeah, society. It's, it's and I dumb, think that, but yeah. it's not going anywhere. I'm with you. I, I, well, yeah, you're right. It's you're like right. The, 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 I always make, you know, jokes about it, you know, and some of my listeners do. After every game, we're like, well, how did that impact their legacy? Now, we're being sarcastic, right? But that's because that's, you know, coming up uh, next on this popular, highly rated TV show, how this move by the Saints or Jaguars will impact the Cowboys' legacy. Like, it's just, it's 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 too right. much, but it, it is what it is. Like, it, I can't, I can't it, put it, the genie back in the bottle. It's just where no. we're at. No, and, and it's, and it, but it is a big part of why the people that, don't deal with the noise that have stability. Uh, you know, let's, let's take the, the, the saints over the years and the John Meekham years, they responded, they, they weren't, they, they reacted and, and it was nothing in, in, in that world compared to now in the social media and the instant, you know, news, but you know, the stability that they've had in new Orleans is like to look at the stability of the Steelers. I mean, they don't win it all the time, but they're stable. They're good. And then you got, God bless them, the Detroit Lions, who are constantly trying to change the culture. And by the, it's like, you know, building a house and then you strip the foundation and start over again. Well, if you keep doing that, you'll never be able to move into the house and enjoy it. And I think that's what has to happen is you've got to have the power and the patience. And you're not going to get it from the fans. You're not going to get it from the media. But you have to hold strong if you're in administration 
whether in the NFL or college level, to say, I, I, I thought the noise. Let them say what they want because they're going to say the opposite next week when something happens and then go back to the previous. You know, that they're just going to be flip-flopping, and you've got to say, look, there's a reason why I've got this job. I've got to be committed to doing it the right way. And in the end, you're going to get graded on your decisions that you make as a coach, scout, as an administrator, and you can't let people overreact to you. And you, and, but you're going to deal with that. You're correct. It's, 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 you're dealing with it every day at, at all different levels. And the, the, the hot take shows that are constantly saying, this guy's awful, this guy's great, this and that. I mean, all of that stuff will, will, will not go away. It's only going to get worse. You're 100% correct. Chris Landry, our guest, uh, at Landry Football on Twitter, if you want to give him a follow. But uh, LandryFootball.com is where you can get all the intel. Chris, a, um, our guest right now. And, you know, touching on that point as we segue into the NFL, which you, you started to do, you know, mission in the Saints, mission in the Lions, I I feel like as far as – and I don't want to spend a ton of time on the Dallas Cowboys, but I thought of it when you were just making your point. In terms of blocking out the outside noise, you know, part of the Cowboys being the most valuable franchise on the planet is all the noise. It does help turn dollars for them, and you know, whether it be merchandise and everything else, and Jerry Jones, everything's bigger in Texas. But I think the flip side of that is why they're often – you know, a lot of the time um, overvalued and, and, and oftentimes underdeliver because, you know, it's hard to block out the noise when the owner who also happens to make the football decisions wants the noise. He likes the noise. He invites the noise. Heck, he creates some of that noise. And while I think the Cowboys have had some talented teams and I'm not trying to pick on them. I, I, I've I kind of always said, you know, as, as God bless him, as long as Jerry's still running things. I mean, this isn't the early 90s. They've won, you know, three playoff games in, what, 20, 25 years? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, 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 and as long as he's still running that show and in today's climate with everything, uh, because when they're good, the noise is going to be overbearing. When they're not good, when they're mediocre or bad, it's going to be overbearing. Always having that noise is going to make it all t- awfully difficult and just another hurdle for them to ultimately actually meet expectations, which it seems like they, they just they never do. Well, just well said. Uh, and I think what's the Texas term, all uh, hat, no cattle, it, it's a lot of that is the case. There's a lot of sizzle and Jerry is the best moneymaker in the league in, in terms of, of how to brand that. And I know he has the Cowboys and it's difficult maybe in other places, but that market, but what he does, he deserves a lot of credit for getting a lot of sizzle, but there's not a lot of substance there. And there's never been a lot of depth on the team. They've basically given a lot of what I call bad contracts. They don't really have visionaries in terms of football, they've got some good football people. I know a couple of those. Lionel Vitale's a good friend, and Will McClay's a good friend. They're good football people. But, yeah, Jerry is about Jerry. And the problem is the structure, meaning the players are not going to respect. I mean, they say they do, and they will show respect. But deep down, they know the buck doesn't stop with the head coach. And when that happens, you're not going to have the stability that you need. And so people will say things like, you know, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy, when are they going to fire him? The, the question should be, why is it that that's who they hire? They don't hire a Jimmy Johnson. Look, they hired 
friend of mine, Bill Parcells, because Bill wanted the money. There's no question. Bill was going through a divorce, and as they say in divorce, half of everything, he was looking for a payday. I'll just tell you, you know, straight out. And and that didn't work because, you know, Jerry Jerry was most miserable when Jimmy Johnson was a coach because when they were winning Super Bowls. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right. Because he wasn't getting the credit. Yeah. He wasn't getting the credit. He wasn't the face Jimmy Johnson was. Jerry wants to be the face, and he wants to win that way. The problem is, God bless him, he just doesn't really know how. And he's got his son, Stephen, who's more level-headed and not – as flashy, but has not does not have the strength of a football background, and he's the key guy. Instead of saying I'm going to be the best owner in football, which he could be, and hire a football guy and have his sons and his daughters, which have, can have roles in administration and help. But look, it is football. The NFL, is, it's football is big business, but it's the business of football. And if you fundamentally don't understand football at the at the rate that you need to to compete, you you you're gonna fall short, and they fall short. But you know they they deal with a lot of hype, and they you know they sell that that we're that this is our year, this is our year, and we're great, and we're the favorites in this. They get that out there, and a lot of what he does, if you look at it, there's a number of ex cowboys that are in the media. A lot of which Jerry has had a lot of influence in getting those guys jobs. And, uh, you know, a lot of them will, will talk a lot about, you know, Cowboys. This, and, and there's a lot of that speeded out there. And, and it's a disappointment every year, but that's okay, Scott, because next year's the year and we'll sell that. And, it's look, one of those years it may work, you know. It's it's an interesting <laughs> it's trick, isn't it? I, I We got um, – I'm loving this. This is great, great content, great insight, Chris. I got about 10 more minutes with you, if you don't mind. And I want to segue into the Saints, but briefly, if you could, Sean Payton, I mean – the Cowboys could lose to the Bucks week one, and it's like, oh, you fire McCarthy. I mean, it's just what it's, he's going to be. Sean Payton is just going to be linked to him. He has been for years. And my my one thing has always been, listen, when when Shaw was in New Orleans, he had maybe not from day one, but it it didn't take long. He had full autonomy. I mean, he ran the show. They let him. I mean, he he had his fingerprints on everything. He got final say on just about everything, and he liked having that. He liked having that power. And, and, and you know, in Dallas, it's, it's a bit of a circus, but he does, you know, have a history there. I think he's a smart enough guy to understand what he would be getting into. But I was always hesitant, and I'm like, listen, I think Sean wants to get back into coaching, and, and, and I think the Miami stuff, there was, there was a, lot of, a lot of smoke with that. Um, and, and yet... I think if he has his options and there's some other potential options where a team has a really good quarterback and maybe not as much media noise, he'd probably go to that. But as we kind of segue into the Saints, last thing on the Cowboys, how much chance or odds or reality do you think Sean Payton, future head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, is that something that is as strong a possibility as the media is likely going to make it out to be here for the next couple of months, especially if the Cowboys struggle? Well, I think um, the the one thing that Jerry Jones does is he's a salesman. So he was able to convince Bill Parcells, and, and as I said, Bill was motivated by money, and, and it worked. For for this conversation would go this way. It, it and Sean, 
would tolerate, you know, Jerry wanting to be kind of out front, but Sean would have complete control. And see, here's the other thing that maybe is a big misnomer. Jerry doesn't make those football decisions. He just wants credit for it, meaning he wants to be the guy out telling you why they drafted this guy or signed this guy. He doesn't have a clue who's signing or he doesn't. Okay. Not even involved in that really. So, but, but, you know, draft day, you know, the camera is going to be situated to Jerry because that's the show. It's, you know, you know, would Sean want to deal with that circus? I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and I don't think he would, but if he had the control and he, and, and he just said, Hey, you know, because he's very close. The guy he's really close with is Steven Jones. Um, uh, Sean is. So if they could convince him, you've got total control of everything, you know, and it let Jerry kind of have his little play fun. Maybe that would suit him. I don't know. I haven't talked with Sean about it. And, um, I do think that Sean will probably end up coaching again. So that's my take on that. And I don't know if that's a fit or not, probably not as much as people think, but it would come down to certain look when, when he hired Parcells, Parcells ran it, made all the decisions and he was, a, but again, it wasn't really all that comfortable for Jerry because even though Jerry would talk and all of that, people wouldn't listen as much. And would that be similar with Sean? I, I don't know. Um, uh, that, that's an that's an interesting proposition. If it would uh, if, if if it gets deep into that discussion, how it would play out for the Saints this year? Chris Landry, our guest, are you? Um, I, I I I view the the national media and and not even the media. I mean, I think if you can look at betting lines, I think they can be telling. Are you surprised at? what I perceive anyway as I think somewhat of a wide gap in terms of, and I, as I say this, I know Peter King, I think wrote this week, he liked the saints to, to be the one seed, which surprised me a little bit, but um, it seems like a lot in the national media. And from a betting standpoint, the expectation for the saints this season is not nearly as high as maybe locally what it is. And, and I'm not saying that I'm predicting the saints to win the super bowl by any means, Chris, but I do think, Minus Sean Payton, they've they've got a much better roster this year, and um, yet it you know Super Bowl odds and betting odds they're a little bit you know farther and longer than they were a year ago at this time where I was looking at that receiving core and I was like, ish. What what are your thoughts on perhaps the gap between many nationally and that 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 expectation for the Saints this year and how it seems to be not nearly as high as maybe what it is from the local media and those that, that cover the team a little bit more on a daily basis. Yeah. And I'm not as familiar with what is kind of the flavor of the month in terms of who thinks this about that team. Um, but listening to you, uh, I'm, I can address it that way. I, I think the saints have a really good roster. I think they've got um, the best defense in that division. It's a two-team division. I mean, the Panthers are ways away, and the Falcons are one of the weaker rosters in the NFL. Saints have a really good roster. They they have success against the Bucks because they rush the passer well. I think their secondary is really deep. It's good. I think the linebacking core is good. This defense is one of the best in the league. Um, you know, tough injury with Penning. I think he was going to help them a lot in the offensive line and some versatility and depth. You worry about that. Look, I, I think they'll be able to run the football um, in the receiving core. Look at what they have now. It's a healthy knock on woods, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. That's a receiving core that we've not seen there in a long time. 
So it really comes down to the quarterback. And if you're looking, let's just take the division. If you're looking at the division, I think the Bucks roster is good. But they've got question marks on the offensive line. If they can protect well enough, they've got Brady. That's a huge advantage. And advantage go to the Bucks. But the overall roster, I think the Saints can match up, match up pretty well. I think you have to look at the quarterback and say it really is about the quarterback in New Orleans. If Jameis can forget about the big plays, uh, you can go deep, you can go vertical. The threat of that's going to help you work the underneath. It's going to help the running game. Um, may get more split safeties that you can work against. It's about Jameis protecting the football, and and it looks like he's made progress. The short time that he played last year, and and certainly my time there in camp, and and you you can get some things in some of the mini camps and training camps. It looks like he's more proficient at taking the check down, not forcing the ball. That's the key. You know, big. It's more about the plays you don't make than you do make. He can make plays. It's the plays that he. That he that he can't make that he's got to make sure that he doesn't make and if they do that and if they get good quarterback play not great quarterback play not to beat Tom Brady of course but you you've, you if they get good play there then I think they're a strong contender but I think the question mark is you don't quite know what you have of Jameis Winston it's not like he played all last year and it made it, last year was a, a different year you know look well for a short stretch but it wasn't 16 games so. I think that's maybe what holding people back. I don't really pay much again to the to the predictions because they don't mean a whole lot. I don't know many people that had the Cincinnati Bengals as a Super Bowl contender last year at this time. I'm nope. not sure that I did. I thought they were going to be pretty good, but not Super Bowl. So we'll see. I think the other thing to throw in the mix: who's the team to beat in the NFC? I mean, there's just there's not a team in the East that's really strong like the Eagles roster. The North. Uh, you got Aaron Rodgers and trying to lift up a team that's pretty good playoff caliber, but you know, not not the Vikings decent roster, but is a quarterback going to hold them up? You know, we just talked about the Bucks and the Saints. I think the West is intriguing. I think the Rams are good. Tough to repeat. I think the Niners are good, but you know how they manage the quarterback situation. So, I mean, you could just sit there and because of the the lack of an elite quality team in the NFC, I, I think you can throw a few options out there. And if you're going to make a case, you know, for somebody like the Saints or whatever, I mean, the Bucks are kind of a standard, okay, we expect that. Type. But I think you could throw in a couple of those teams. Somebody's got to represent the NFC. And as yeah. I mentioned, none of those teams are elite. Uh, by the end of the year, maybe somebody will be. But right now, uh, it doesn't match to what the AFC has. The Bills have a better roster. The Chiefs have a better roster. The Chargers have a better roster than anybody in the NFC. Anybody. So I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, the the AFC West, I mean, talk about doggy dog. They they <laughs> seem better than, you know, uh, most teams, maybe any teams in the NFC. And I've said that a lot. And and I guess from a I, I know that I know how betting lines work and they're trying to get betters to place down the most money. It's not always a reflection of what they think's gonna happen. I just found it odd that the odds seem to be a bit longer now than last year. When last year I I mean I, I was wrong. I thought the Saints would be seven and ten. They went nine and eight and, and played much better than I anticipated with that roster, but it's just a better roster now. And the NFC, to your point, it seems like it's pretty open for the taking for teams that are going to be good. I mean, you don't have to be an all-time great team to come out of the NFC this year. And I think that's good news 
for a number of teams. I'll tell you what else is good news. LandryFootball.com, if you want just a plethora of football content across college football, game recaps, rankings, scouting reports, all the coverage, so much content is there. LandryFootball.com. Chris, tell our listeners about um, your website and and what they can find there and how they can maybe sign up and, and get a little more involved because I know there's some stuff there they can read, but there's a lot of content you need to to sign up for it to get access to it. But I've I've for years, especially around the draft, I really dig into it. But there's just so much good stuff there. Yeah, we we'll appreciate it. Well, we started a few years ago. Uh, it's kind of a branch off of something for the fans. As I was doing my coaching and scouting consulting work for team. To lose approach to about doing stuff for fans. So that's where the website LandryFootball.com was born to provide a coaching and scouting viewpoint on the game of football. From recruiting to college football analysis of players, teams, coaches, schemes, the same with, as you mentioned, the draft, um, NFL personnel, uh, NFL teams, we, you know, coaching searches. We've got all of that stuff that we keep a close eye on, inside information and analysis. As we like to say, if it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes, we got it covered for. If you want to understand why, you know, the nickelback is probably the, um, you know, most important position right now on, on defenses in terms of versatility, we explain the game and how it's changing at the NFL or college level, give you the X and O's of the strategy, giving you all of that. That's what it's for to provide that insight game previews game recaps taking you inside the film room you know what happened every fan knows what happened scott but we're trying to give an explanation of why it happened and how to get a view a viewpoint so some people like it they use the information for their fantasy they use it for their you know betting or you know they just want to know more about the game uh and we cover it all so uh, we like to say if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. So check it out. Yeah, we've got podcasts. We've got the Landry Football Podcast Network. We do different conference shows in college. We do national college shows, NFL. we got it all for you there. So um, you could try it out for a month if you like. It's like $9.99 a month. We've got a discount for the entire year, which will get you the entire season. It'll take you through the draft and all the offseason is recruiting and you know free agency the draft and everything uh that's the best deal we have for a year membership but whatever is your your uh to your liking check it out try it out uh, as i said if you like football you can love landryfootball.com no doubt uh chris man it's been too long thanks for coming back on the show uh, i love the insight love the content and uh let's do it again man sometime during the season i'd love to have you back on and kind of pick your brain about what's happening in the world of football Anytime you want, give me a holler. Appreciate being on with you and the great folks of uh, Lafayette. So uh, take care, have a great one, and let's talk soon. You got it. I just won't ask you any music questions next time. No worries. Yeah, yes, we probably need to avoid that. But. <laughs> all right, Chris, all the best, man. Take right. care. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. All right, that is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Prather. Tomorrow, NFL predictions, wild cards, division winners, Super Bowl, all of it. We're doing it. Can't wait. Call me tomorrow. It'll be fun. We got guests up next to Dan Patrick's show on ESPN Live. He had the best ticket in sports. 